it's not a product, it's a technology. It's an education challenge. A regenerative suspension. There will be a growing demand for industrial photovoltaics. Tom Tiger. Innovation in the financing space. The high-speed train is in all our interests. All political lines. Australia is a solar paradise. The market is moving much faster than that. You've got something that's transformational. Solar window in a can. Beyond Zero. Global warming science, solutions and action. Taking it to a do-it-yourself level. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Beyond Zero show. We're coming to you from the studios of 3CR Melbourne, syndicated around Australia on the Community Radio Network and podcast on the internet at 3cr.org.au. Both the BZE Community Show and this show are also available on iTunes and Stitcher, so please subscribe and rate us, and that helps others find the show. My name is Kay Wenigal, and I'm joined today by my co-host Natalie Bucknell. Hello Kay, hello listeners. And Kira Rundle. Hey Kay, good to be here. Today we're going to be talking to a couple of people from the Startup Bootcamp Smart Energy Program. If you remember last year, we talked to some of the innovative renewable energy startup companies. And this year, we have companies providing innovation for the energy controls and IT associated with deploying renewable energy. Daniel Laws is the CEO of Power Diverter, which is based in South Australia. Sounds like another great innovation coming out of South Australia. And he'll talk to you about the product called Power Diverter, which redirects your solar power for loads in, in your home, such as your hot water system and air conditioning. Hi, Daniel. Hello. We also have Douglas Ferreira in the studio, who is the co-founder of Fohat, which is based in Brazil. In simple terms, Fohat is building a blockchain microgrid for decentralised energy future, and we'll be talking to him later. So, hi for the moment, Douglas. Hello, everyone. Now, firstly, Daniel, can you tell us a little bit more about Power Diverter and what it does? Yeah, sure. So, um, simply put, it's a device that helps people save a lot of money on their energy bills every year. And the way we do that is by uh, capturing the unused solar energy that you generate from your panels on the roof and automatically uh, automatically divert that to your electric hot water tank, the existing electric hot water tank in your home, and uh, tops your top, uh, topped your tank up with hot water uh, all year round, utilising that solar energy. So basically we're using the hot water as a battery. Exactly right, yeah. So uh, uh, t- typically um, uh, t- typical homes uh, has a 315 litre tank, uh, and um, when you turn that into kilowatt hours, that's an 18 kilowatt battery. And can you extract that energy back out, or do you are you kind of are just going to use that for hot water? Then? You extract it as hot water. Nice. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. We're still working on that part. <laughs> <laughs> so, tell me what it looks like physically. What what's the installation look like? Okay, so I guess the elegance is in the simplicity of the products. Um, it's just a very small unit that connects to the existing cable that um, powers your heating element inside your hot water tank. So t- typically uh, all our installers are fitting them next to your um, switchboard outside your home. Um, it takes around about an hour to install. There's no plumbing required or anything like that. So um, just it's, it's very, very simple and, and non-invasive for the, for the customer. And have you done any kind of um, trials yet to see how efficiently this works? I mean, if people, once you've installed it, are you basically just heating all of your water using this diverted solar energy? 
Uh, yeah, we, we have about 6,700 homes fitted with uh, power diverters uh, around the world. So, yeah, we've done a lot of research working with different government organisations, councils, uh, you know, uh, helping them uh, fight fuel, fuel poverty. And uh, we've had lots of external funds monitoring um, the difference between having a power diverter and not having a power diverter. So uh, typically around 70 to 80 percent power uh, that's generated by your solar panels on a typical home is exported back to the grid. Mm. Um, with with a uh, power diverter in place, um, you, you can lift that and um, you can reduce the export uh, by another 20 percent. So typically we can use, usually say, uh, utilise around 50 percent at least of the power that's generated on the solar. So it's very um, it's very good and very efficient. Uh, when you compare it to the likes of, say, solar thermal, it's pretty much exactly on par. There's no difference in efficiency there. And the difference is that you're thousands of dollars better off with a power diverter versus that technology. How about if I'm home on a winter's day and using all my solar, my minimal solar on that day for heating the house? Mm. Does that mean I have cold, hot water that day? And it's really surprising, actually. Remember, um, you probably tell by my accent, I'm, I'm from England. And so <laughs> and, uh, around 6,000 of our customers are, are actually based there. And everyone says, really, solar in England? You know, how does that work? And, and it works actually very, very well. And uh, so even on cloudy days, power diverter is, um, is very useful. And remember, um, it's modulating um, the power. It varies the power into the hot water tanks. It doesn't require um, the full power that w- would normally be required to heat the element um, inside the tank. So it's, um, you can actually drip feed um, you know, as it is, if it's heavy, heavy clouds, for instance, and you're only generating, say, two or three hundred watts, that's not a problem. You know, it just takes a little bit longer to heat the tank. But most of the time, um, you'll, you'll get enough hot water out of the tank. And you're speaking to a lot of our customers, it's very rare that they have to actually physically boost, manually boost uh, the system to, to get what they need. And I suppose it depends on the capacity of your solar system. Does that mean you can use it for other loads as well, such as air conditioning? Uh, yeah, so we've... Um, the, the cool thing about power diverter is uh, it, it senses at the source of the power, so that's between the, the, your billing meter and the switchboard. So everything in your house gets satisfied first, and power diverter literally just uses the, what, what is excess power. Okay, um, t- so people say, oh, you know, can it do pool pumps and everything else? Well, it does uh, indirectly. It, it knows when the pool pump's on and works around that. So we don't have to worry about anything like those devices. When it comes to air conditioning, we have a separate device that um, works on the same basis. It, it understands when power's trying to export and then switches on your air conditioner automatically, steps the power up and down. Uh, so therefore, you're not u- paying for, for that electricity. To, to power your air conditioning, you're utilising your solar to do that, and that, would, that typically saves again, you know, four hundred plus dollars uh, for the typical home each and every year. So it's really a really good way to utilise that power. So actually, if you if you have a power diverter, hot water controller, and a PD air, which is our air conditioning controller, actually you're you're going to be doing pretty well. Yeah, and so most houses that have solar wouldn't have any of these regulators, and so you'd kind of just be using that very inefficiently it sounds like uh, yeah uh, as i say the, the stats are pretty much the standard on average so between 70 to 80 percent of the power that's generated is sent back to the grid because yeah. uh, because most people are at work mm-hmm. and actually 
for the people who are at home, let's you know think about it realistically. What what do you actually use throughout the day? You might boil the kettle every now and then, and you might be watching television. The new televisions of today are only a couple of hundred watts to power in the first place. So the vast majority of that power is just being sent back. So it needs smart devices like ours, batteries, power diverters, PDAs to actually capture that power in a much more effective way. So have you done studies to find out how much is being utilised in the home? Because I know I've got solar panels and when I'm at home, I think, great, I'll use the energy and do the washing and get the dishwasher on and the air conditioning is running if it's 38 degrees Mm. during the day. So that's using a fair bit of power. Mm. Am I an unusual case or are there a lot of people doing that no i'd I'd say uh i think you'd surprise yourself even in your home actually and if you if you could monitor and see and capture that data over time to actually see how much of the power that you're actually using in your home i think you'd be quite surprised yeah yeah so dan i'm looking at moving towards having an electric vehicle in our household and there's a similar kind of device available for charging the electric vehicle that's right so if I had a power diverter and a similar device for charging my vehicle, are these guys going to be fighting each other? How, how do they interrelate? And they, they're a perfect partner. Uh, they work together. It's like a team, teamwork. <laughs> so, yeah, we're, we're developing uh, our own charger as well, actually, for, for cars, because we want to capture all of the solar energy and vary power from your solar into your car and vice and, and then, vice versa. And, and then, yeah. and then actually power your home from your car uh, later <laughs> that, on in the day. The so, grand yeah, plan. yeah, but actually, um, it's the same thing. So, a, a charger for your car or a charger for a, a home battery, lithium ion battery, for instance, is, is exactly the same thing. And so, we set up our product to work with that. And um, we can actually set it up so the battery can either have priority over the power first or the other way around. So what happens uh, if you've got off-peak power, you'd be more likely to use that because it's cheaper um, Mm. for powering all these devices rather than um, having them powered during the day, especially if you've got a good feed-in tariff. Do you look at those things? Absolutely, yeah. It's a really big thing here in Australia and actually... um, Four years ago when we came over here, we brought our UK products and we went round the whole of the country, got funded by the British Embassy to do that research. And uh, we asked, you know, if we brought this product to Australia, what, what would you like us to do? And um, controlled loads, J tariffs, all these different names for the off-peak that you have here in Australia, they all work slightly differently and they all mean something slightly different as well. So it took us quite a while to get our heads around all of that. So Power Diverter can actually accept daytime power and off-peak or controlled load in, in the same unit. And you can... Um, the, the the differential in cost, the, the bigger the differential between the feed-in tariff and the actual costs of off-peak electricity, the, biggest, the bigger the differ- differential is the, the, best, the better payback you're going to get. And there are certain parts of the country here in Victoria, there's um, you know, real hot spots where actually it totally makes sense to utilise the solar energy throughout the day. Um, and there's, there's only a very few places around the country where the differential is so small that it doesn't really stack up. So, um, But the way we set it up is that you utilise the solar energy during the day and then at night, if you need to, you can program the power diverter to boost utilising uh, the off-peak power. So you can get the best of both worlds. So talking about programming, how does the user interface with this? Um, <laughs> it's a bit like uh, when your plumber comes in and sets up your heating system. You know, they, they'll kind of ask you a few questions, you know, when do you want it to boost and... 
and all the rest of it and um, you'll probably never touch it ever again once so you know the first day it's in uh, you press a few buttons the installer usually sets it up ask the client uh, the customer you know when 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 do you do you think um, you'll need power throughout the year is it going to be um, every day because you got, might have a really busy house you know loads of kids and, and so on so and you, you know you think you're going to boost it every day so you can just set it to boost for a couple of hours um, or and or otherwise just let it do its own thing so it's very simple the, the installer usually sets it up and and that that will be um, that will be probably the last time you ever touch it <laughs> so there's no need to adjust it say for seasonal variations Look, some people do and um, you know again if it's a busy home then maybe uh, you you go out you know um let's say mid uh, autumn uh, and and maybe set it up to boost for a couple of hours um until say mid spring um and then you'll switch off that function and then let it will do its its own thing um after that uh, but um for small ho- for, for small couples maybe a couple of um you know a couple of people they probably won't ever have to boost and does it work for all, uh, obviously it's not applicable for gas hot water services, but does it work for all types of um, electric hot water services such as heat pumps or standard? Yeah, so um, actually it's, it's, it's interesting you say that. We do actually have a, a solution for gas customers as well now, so um, we can, uh, we've got something for them. Uh, but a powder vert is uh, suitable, it's uh, compatible with every hot water tank in Australia, so it doesn't matter. There's no, you don't have to change anything, it'll just go straight on. So there's no, you know, if you've got a dual element system, does, how does that work? Quite simple. So uh, the the power divert is rated to to cope with the power, uh, the rating uh, within the, within those two elements. And if it isn't, it's just a very simple um, modification uh, for the installer uh, to, um, you know, to, to small change, uh, you know, five minute change, and and then we're all good. Yeah. So if you've just tuned in, we're talking to Daniel Laws, the CEO of Power Diverter. And soon we'll be talking to Douglas Freire from Fohat. So the cost. Tell me about the cost of this unit. Okay, cool. So uh, fully installed, $699. Fully installed? Yep. Wow. By a qualified Install- electrician? Electrician, yeah. Uh, we'll arrange that for you, um, no problem. And uh, typical savings are around $450 each and every year. So it's an incredible f- payback. Wow, wow um, that's very impressive. Yeah, yep. Yeah, we've worked incredibly hard over the last uh, six or seven years, you know, to get that price point down to to make it affordable for everybody because we want as many people to benefit from this technology as possible. Okay, so now we're going to be talking to Douglas from Fohat. And just to recap, Fohat is building a blockchain microgrid for a decentralised energy future and also has peer-to-peer energy trading. Douglas, can you break that down a little bit for us? Can you define what blockchain is and tell our listeners what actu- how it actually works? Yes, for sure. So Foha is basically developing uh, two main platforms. Uh, the first one is a microgrid controller that uh, allows you to connect your rooftop solar system with a battery and do the smart control of these two devices working together. And uh, the second platform is an energy, tr- energy trading platform that allows people to trade energy dra- directly among uh, each other. And they also can use a marketplace to do this. And uh, yeah, that's how it works. The, these two platforms working together uh, can enable a, a wide range of new possibilities to explore the energy market and to bring innovation for this sector. 
So, for example, if I live in an apartment and I can't have solar on my roof and my neighbor works throughout the day, but they have solar, but they're not home, does that mean that I could, we could trade energy? And if I'm working from home during the day, I can say, oh, I'd like to use your solar energy. Is that kind of the idea behind it? For sure. Yeah. Uh, Imagine that different people have different uh, types of consuming energy. So sometimes you have a couple living in the same house that uh, the wife is at home during the day and is using uh, electrical devices and consuming energy during the day. But sometimes people work during the day and they use consume more energy during the nighttime. So different profiles of energy consumption also uh, demands different profiles of energy generation. Mm-hmm. So sometimes your neighbor installs a solar system but is not uh, consuming all this energy that he is producing in, in his roof. So basically what he can do is take all the excess of energy he generates and sell it to you since you have this demand during the day. So this is possible to be done when you have these energy trading platforms and it's going to bring a better return of your investment if you have installed this system. And if you don't have a solar system your own, you can still buy the energy for a cheaper price mm. than you pay actually today for from your retailer. Wow, that's that's incredible. That's yeah. very cool. <laughs> we have some incredible things mm. uh, coming in the in the future. Yeah. And there are a number of trials for these um, software products at the moment, aren't there, around Australia that I know of? Yes. Um, I think there's one in um, Western Australia. There's one here in Victoria. Yes. And I believe you're actually going to be participating in one trial. Yes, uh, we can. Tell us about that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, So we arrived here in Australia in January and we are talking to some uh, of the partners of the Startup Bootcamp program. And uh, one of these partners is City of Melbourne. So they are being uh, very uh, friendly with us and and a good partner. So uh, we proposed to them uh, a study on a feasibility microgrid, uh, on a feasibility microgrid inside Queen Victoria Market. So it's an amazing building, and they consume a lot of energy, especially because they have these colder rooms to refrigerate meats. And there is some potential to install a microgrid over there. And uh, they open the energy data to us so we can check how much energy they are consuming, what time they are consuming this energy. And they also have a huge potential on uh, rooftop solar because they have a lot of roof space to install solar systems. Do they have any existing solar there? Yeah, they actually have one that was installed in 2003. So <laughs> you can imagine that by that time they were pretty much innovative and that's amazing. Yeah, that was groundbreaking then. Mm-hmm. It was groundbreaking at that time, yeah. <laughs> but that's uh, that's his, his innovation. So we see that City of Melbourne was worried about innovation at that time and that's quite amazing to see. Mm-hmm. But today this system is not generating the amount of energy it needs so basically, this system have to be renewed. Is at the end of the use use life of the system, and what we are proposing is to install a new solar system, much modern, and working together with a battery. So you can take the surplus energy generated in the roof, uh, store this energy inside a battery, and consume this energy later, or even sell this energy back to the grid. So there is a lot of possibilities to explore, but you need solutions for that, and that's where uh, Foha is working. So I'd imagine it'd be quite a big battery there because it's a huge market. Yes. And as you say, there's huge amounts of energy being consumed mm. because of the refrigeration. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we can install different systems. Uh, there is a possibility to install a smaller battery to take care of the load partially. 
But the ideal uh, scenario is to take uh, to install a large battery system that can handle the complete load. So there is different scenarios, and uh, for sure there is also different costs involved to, do, to this. Uh, solar systems are pretty much commercially uh, feasible today. Uh, batteries are still not, but when we talk about innovation, there is some costs also involved on that. If you want to be innovative, you cannot be uh, also only thinking about commercial side. Uh, and that's there is a, also uh, another advantage of doing this. You can uh, help the system around the market to balance the amount of energy that is flowing into the grid. So uh, you can use those for frequency control or voltage control. There are much uh, more benefits involved only uh, in one single project. One thing that we are discussing with them is that the possibility to connect this with the marketplace, with the energy mm -hmm. trading platform. So imagine you can take all the surplus energy generated in the roof and you can share this with the community around. And when we talk about peer-to-peer -peer energy trading, you do not necessarily have to charge for this energy. You can donate this energy for, some, for someone. So imagine that the market could share this energy and donate this energy for public schools around, for mm. example. That's an amazing thing that can be done with this technology, but you have to work on that. Which part do you actually have to work on? The technology itself, is that still in development? Or is it more the regulations that go around the, the whole process? Yes, uh, we have seen some uh, energy utilities being quite innovative and trying to work with startups to uh, help us on that. So there is still space to evolve in the technology side, but for sure the main challenge is still the regulation side. Uh, we see that uh, today, if you want to be, if you want to do peer-to-peer -peer energy trading, you have to pay for the network infrastructure that you are using. That means poles and wires. So you have to pay the the share of the companies that take care of it. And today there is no better uh, way to charge it. Uh, you have to share with everyone the cost of the infrastructure. And to allow peer-to-peer -peer energy trading to be scalable, you have to be able to charge uh, the costs of the network infrastructure from point A to point B. So let's say if I want to sell my energy from someone, for my neighbor that is living across the street, mm. I'm supposed to be uh, allowed to pay for the cost of the network infrastructure just for regarding this distance. Today is not possible, mm. but regulation can change in a way that allowed us to do this. And this for sure is going to uh, allow this kinds of technology to be more scalable and to do this in a better way. We have seen some uh, good discussions around uh, uh, regulation change, but we need to do this faster because, I mean, the, the system is already, uh, the system needs a solution soon. And these discussions are evolving quite slow, slowly. And that's the main challenge. We need to work uh, more closer with energy utilities to make these discussions hurry up so we can have a solution as soon as possible. So, Douglas, you mentioned that your company started, originated in Brazil. Do you have similar sort of issues with regulations in Brazil? Yes, for sure. Uh, th those are different markets, uh, but we have different characteristics, and at the same time we have similar situations. Uh, for example, in Brazil, 60% of the energy is generated through hydropower plants. But the potential of exploring rivers in Brazil are not more uh, available in the near future. All the rivers that you could explore were already explored in the mm -hmm. past. So today, the government is uh, seeking for new ways to generate new types of energy. 
Here in Australia, it's similar. So 60% of the energy is generated through thermal power plants, especially coal-fired power plants. But today is not sustainable anymore to keep generating energy through coal-fired power plants mm -hmm. because they pollute a lot. And financially speaking, if you build a new power plant today, it's going to last for at least 40 years. And so, be very expensive to build. For sure, mm -hmm. be very expensive to build. So the, 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 what we have to do is similar. We have to find new ways to integrate new uh, generation like renewables. And the challenges are similar. So that's why we are working in the same solution in Brazil and the, uh, here in Australia. But here the problem is more emergent, I would say, because in the past few years there is a lot of coal fire power plants that were deactivated in mm -hmm. the system. Every time you remove one of these power plants, you have to replace this for a new way to generate. Mm -hmm. And I, I believe the government's not being quick enough to, to replace these power plants that are being removed so you have to be fast enough to have a new way to generate energy to compensate this. Are there organisations such as, say, AEMO that are the ones that are supposed to be facilitating this change? Is, is, are they the group that you're talking to? Yeah, uh, we have not talked with them uh, directly yet because we arrived here uh, just in January. But that's one thing that we want to do uh, uh, soon. So there is also other uh, government entities that we can talk to to discuss these changes that need to be done. So Because I'd imagine it would be very important. They're the ones that are trying to solve these grid issues right now. And, yeah. And, of course, they'd be very innovative, I'd imagine, to try and find a, a good solution. Yes. So thank you for that, Douglas. And now we're just going to talk briefly with Claudia, who's organised this startup boot camp for this year, and she's going to tell us a little bit about what's happening on Demo Day, I believe. Yeah, absolutely. All of our 11 amazing smart energy startups will be um, pitching to a room of over 400 people. That includes guests, industry experts, uh, mentors, partners, um, just people in the community, and just kind of um, bringing together the culmination of the three-month accelerator program. So they've been all working really hard this week, especially. They're just kind of finalizing their pitches, and we're really excited to see everything come together. So if you're looking to get any more information, you can visit our website at startupbootcamp.org. Um, yeah, and we're just really excited to see it all come together. And what, there are 10 companies. That, 11. 11 companies. Yeah. That, that made the cut. Yes, uh, over 650 um, companies applied all over the world from over 30 countries, so it's definitely the best of the best. We've got the cream of the crop. And I, I believe the initiative is also encouraging companies to settle and invest in Australia a lot more. Yeah, definitely. It's uh, really just kind of getting them to see the uh, industry in Australia as well as globally and kind of introducing them um, as well as just letting kind of them launch and their um, acceleration definitely doesn't stop after the program. It's kind of the catalyst to see um, all the amazing work that they're going to continue to do. Great. Thanks very much for that, Claudia. Thanks. Thank you, Douglas and Daniel, for your time today. Thank you. Thank you for your invitation. We've been speaking to Daniel Laws, CEO of Power Diverter, and Douglas Ferreres from FOHAT. The Beyond Zero show is brought to you by the climate change solutions think tank Beyond Zero Emissions and is recorded in the studios of 3CR Melbourne, syndicated around Australia on the Community Radio Network. Previous episodes of this show are available on iTunes and Stitcher, so please subscribe. If you enjoy the program and can help donate to cover airtime costs, please go to the BZE website and click on the Donate button. Thanks for listening and we hope to see you again next week.
Beyond Zero Emissions is an internationally recognised climate solutions think tank that is focused on solutions, not problems. Become part of the solution by becoming a monthly base load supporter. Go to www.bze.org.au to find out more. bze.org.au You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.